0: Hey, my name's David, the host of Ambisonic Spaces, and I just want to thank you for listening. And I want to tell you about a new feed of the show called Ambisonic Spaces Plus. If you're a sound designer, work in game audio, if you're a field recording enthusiast, or just want to support this podcast, check out subscribing to the Patreon page, Ambisonic Spaces Plus. There you'll be able to gain access to listen to episodes in spatial audio. All you need is some AirPods that support head tracking and the Patreon app or Safari. Just connect your AirPods to their device, turn on head tracking and listen through Patreon. The sounds dynamically change around you as you move your head. Super cool and a very immersive experience. You'll also have access to download assets to use for your game audio projects in engines like Unreal and Unity, or use them for sound beds for any project that you have. And finally, as a Patreon, you can import the RSS feed into Apple Podcasts and listen through spatial audio there as well. Is it possibly the first ambisonic spatial audio dynamic head tracking podcast ever? Perhaps. But check out the free samples on Patreon to hear for yourself. Links in the description. Find out more at ambisonicspaces.org. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Ambisonic Spaces. As some of you may know, the show is about exploring the world through sound. Listening helps us understand. Slowing down and observing can help gain awareness and can lead to a greater appreciation. One of the things I love about recording nature is it gives me time to be in the moment, being calm and sonically observe the surroundings, just listening. It creates a place to be aware by listening something i wish to do more in life while many have their own philosophical reasons on why they do what they do sometimes you discover someone that thinks about how to go about their work in life in an inspirational way a restored look into how they combine work and life and almost restore balance to find a mutual purpose that refreshes your understanding
1: What made me start with field recording was curiosity and novelty.
0: That's Melissa Pons.
1: Not because I understood that what was around me was changing, but because I suppose there was some fascination by the act of listening through the equipment.
0: She is an award-winning sound designer, sound artist, and field recordist. Self-proclaimed as a slow recorder while questioning much and we'll get to that in a minute.
1: I didn't understand it at the time, but now I have, of course, realized that field recording is one of the very few things that I'm able to do that for once leaves me not restless. I can actually be still both in my body and in my mind, and this is not a usual thing in my daily life.
0: In 2016, Melissa started to explore sounds, having spent time in Brazil, in the Atlantic forest, in Sweden, and recently in Portugal. She focuses on bringing found beauty of natural soundscapes to your headphones.
1: Eventually, this activity also came with a sense of appreciation and a growing love for nature, which I see more and more as something that we are all part of and something we all have within somehow.
0: Melissa has a fascinating way to go about field recording in the places she visits and the projects she works on. The best way I can sum it up is connection. Being connected to the space by knowing its history, culture, geography, how it's perceived, knowing the context so much that it can change your understanding. In Melissa's case, This created a conflict for her between what she became to understand and what she loves doing. I invited her to share her thoughts and dive in deeper to this contextual connection conflict. But let's get some context.
1: My first solid field recording project happened in the end of 2016 and early 2017 in Brazil. I visited the Atlantic Forest, which is incredibly fragmented. I started in São Paulo, where I did several days of field recordings in a state park called Cantareira. I have a lot of support from the staff, people that I won't forget. And after that, I spent around three weeks in Minas Gerais in an NGO called Iraçambi. I was literally living in a rainforest and this was the first time I worked in a place that contained a culture and an environment that were not really mine, even though the little barriers of language, even though I am the daughter of a Brazilian person, I was still a foreigner and the first time I heard the sounds of this forest, I really felt like I was in another planet and I think I really felt like I was the alien. The impression was very very strong, the heat, the humidity, the sounds and this uh, feeling of tropical forest was very clear. It was here that I started to really think about anthropogenic noise. The park in São Paulo was located not far from the airport and there was a lot of construction around. There were neighborhoods encroaching the perimeters of this park and I felt that it was almost like a violation of the sonic space. I remember hearing the howler monkeys vocalizing and the sound was almost completely blended or disappearing with the sound of the planes. Once I was there, I felt very frustrated, because I wasn't able to capture this extraordinary event without noise pollution. But nowadays I try to remove my ego from this because it's not directly about my survival, but it was about them. So I don't see any reason why noise pollution shouldn't be considered as prejudicial as throwing any kind of thrash or dumping foreigner or toxic substances in a place.
0: I can totally relate to this. I remember the first time I picked up a microphone, there was an overwhelming feeling of, this is what i meant to do. Fast forward more years than I care to admit. Recording nature can be infuriating at times when it comes to sound pollution. Human interactions shape sonic activity and soundscapes all around us, and they're changing. With the growing rate of human interaction in nature, the sonic communication within nature is slowly being drowned out with the impacts on health and well-being. Not just within nature, but ourselves as well. Natural soundscapes that make up our world are fading by human noise.
1: In 2020, I remember very well, in the wolf sanctuary in Portugal, there was one road within the space of the forest that included the sanctuary that was public, and it was very popular, and probably still is, to race with motorbikes, especially during the weekends. And in those days, the wolves would not howl, or they would howl much later than usual, so it was very obvious that there has been a change in their behavior. So why not forbid these activities in such spaces?
0: But it's not all doom and gloom. Yes, we now live in a world full of noise we create. We're loud. Yes, it does affect how nature communicates with itself, and it can affect humans negatively as well. But it's not something to feel shame about or place blame. The fact of just knowing about how noise pollution affects everything can be empowering in the decisions we make that affect the future. But this is just part of Melissa's story. Melissa combines her work and life regularly, so it's now just a way of life, not just one or the other. I get the feeling she's on a lifelong quest to restore balance, finding a mutual purpose of understanding work and life, society and nature, body and mind.
1: Curiosity continued to move me in Brazil, in the Wolf Sanctuary, in Sweden and in other places in the mornings. I went picking up the equipment that recorded during the night and I was feeling extremely excited and super curious to hear what happened during the night. And I continue to have this practice of unattended recordings also where I live. A uh, very quiet and beautiful place in the countryside. However, because now I live in this situation where nature is all around me and I have the opportunity to incorporate it into my daily life and the fact that it's also quite a safe place and I don't even talk about potentially dangerous animals, but there aren't even people I should be worried about. I was very scared of the wild boars at some point, and this is a story that I have told in some other podcasts. Um, this fear ended up disappearing with a lot of contemplation, with a lot of thinking and also confrontation. And with this, I started to come to an understanding that probably the biggest reason why I was doing unattended recordings at night was out of fear. And not that I consider myself a fearful person at all, but it has taken me some... Maybe a couple of years to actually feel at ease in these environments outside the walls of my house. And at the same time, it started to bother me that me that I want to see as part of it and belonging and the body and mind that experiences it. Why was I afraid? This actually made me feel like a coward. Of course I want to do a parenthesis here. If we are talking about research or sometimes there are imposed conditions in which the only way to record is to use a drop rig, this is something that I'm not vehemently against (laughs) at all, but uh, otherwise I don't wish this to my practice anymore. The last time that this happened was till this summer. I recorded the Iberian Red Deer rutting here in the south of Portugal. And even though I didn't have total logistic control of the situation, I still think it's a fabulous phenomenon to be able to listen to it. But I maybe expect it to be the last time that I record like this. Because it really became about the experience in nature and to uh, bring my gear into that as a way of creating a memory of expressing even some kind of homage to the place and to the nature symphony and beauty
0: but why do field recordists and sound artists field record Whether it's a hobby, a monetary means, a project, a podcast, what is the outcome other than a final product? What is there to gain? Basically asking the questions, why do you do what you do? It's a challenging question even for myself to ask at times. Melissa began questioning that to herself and her own presence or right to record nature.
1: What is interesting to me personally in field recording is that perhaps ironically it taught me to listen with my own ears and it has in a more or less gentle way forced me to be completely comfortable outside, sitting on the ground, not being in an alert mode, having to look over my shoulder all the time. This has been quite an important mark in my life, actually, not only as a field recordist, but also as a person that walks in this earth. Earlier this uh, summer, many times I took my equipment to a specific place near my home that is also very close to my heart. And sometimes I ended up not recording. I, I didn't want to. I started to think about the urge that so many of us have to take pictures, to tape, to record sound, even in a way that is, um feels mostly impulsive, that seems to come before even appreciating where we are. And this act started to feel so intrusive to the space and to the experience of just being, which is mostly what I'm looking for nowadays. So in a philosophical way, if you will, um, my approach and what I have been looking for have been changing significantly in this last handful of years. I haven't been able to publish any field recording work recently because I want to do it in a way that honors the space and life that has been recorded. And for me, this is not a very easy or very clear thing to accomplish.
0: So Melissa, now questioning her right to record nature as a field recordist, which I imagine feels quite conflicting in and of itself, then goes on to keep pursuing different projects in her vocation, but doesn't quite find a fit in the spaces she's put in. This presents a problem as it's not finding purpose in what you are purposed for and can be quite uncomfortable.
1: This year I have been involved in a very rounded project with a team and great logistics which led me to think initially that I would do a very structured work and bring home fantastic recordings, but once I got into this space I didn't feel accepted. I always felt very uncomfortable. This can be highly subjective and even sound pathetic, but honestly most recordings were quite bad. Uh, Not so much from a technical point of view, sometimes, yes, but mostly there was not any quality or identity to it, and the sound pollution was shockingly huge. I start to think that to listen to ourselves and to the place, it's very important to be in a sort of communion with more than human life. The lectures and writings of geographer and sound artist amir Kangeazer have been super illustrative in this aspect and recent conversations with Kim Vigoldsmith Goldsmith, from whom I actually learned this term more than human life, and Camilla Hannon, both from Australia, has also been eye-opening, or should I say your opening on this aspect, the fact that perhaps we should ask some kind of permission and really be patient where we are recording understand the history and the circumstances maybe should perhaps be common practice to many if not all of us and in this particular situation it hasn't been easy for me and still is not easy for me to separate intellect from instinct but i also question if it's worth to try to do it after all we're made of both of these
0: things stop slow down and be patient listen to ourselves listen to the space these are the things melissa has learned on her journey to understand the question why do we listen
1: so lost as i was in the beginning of the summer i was storing my equipment on the side for a long time i can say that things have maybe revived very recently when i traveled to orleans in france together with another field recordist jocelyn Hubert. and for almost every day in a week we went to the forest at night to listen to experience to learn and to record And it was so dark that most of that we could see was the contour of the tree's canopy against the sky. And as our ears were getting habituated to the space, we were learning and we were aiming to record the red deer in the rutting season. This act of sharing the experience directly as it happened was very transformative for me. So here I am or here we are in a way sharing a part of those recordings each of us have their own gear and we place it independently without interfering in each other's work just obviously commenting a little bit out of intellectual curiosity and this has been one of the most significant experiences of field recording I have had it has really brought me something new despite my initial reservations because I always viewed field recording as an excuse for solitude, since I love to spend time with myself and I never managed to work collectively in a context like that. So this is where I am as a field recordist today. I have some interest in releasing this work, especially because there are some windows to explore regarding mythology of the deer, and I consider that it's very beautiful the way that the space it's revealed through the powerful calls of this animal and other animals i will dive in i will dive very deep in these recordings but i am not in a hurry either personally i'm not a believer in the term conservation i would rather that the language and the actions themselves would change to protection or action, and even though we feel doom impending, only taking register without providing context or without providing any personal experience or anything that brings actual value of the place, the life and the human community that inhabits the area, especially if we are foreigners to this land. It feels to me like a straight utilitarian approach to nature, which is also the opposite message that I believe all of us want to tell. There is, I feel, an eagerness to explore very far from our homes. It's probably a call of the foreigner for what is new and I quote for the exotic. But I find many of these approaches extremely problematic, and I'd love that the conversation with full recorders would center around the impact of the communities in which we go. How do they feel as a person when they go to these places? What do they learn from these cultures, from these places, and what do they learn from the cultures in them? I think there is obviously a place for all aspects of traveling far, discovering, even gear, but we really need to consider ways to really remove imperialistic practices and I hope field recording doesn't fall into this abyss. This is my personal wish that all of this can be done under the most ethical premises and that the act of sharing sounds that you record can trigger a response in the listeners. A response first and foremost to be informed and then to be able to do something and if you are someone that worries about the Amazon forest or the forest in Indonesia and feel that you cannot really do anything directly about it then perhaps start with all around you your neighbors your gardens and make better choices within your own capacity if listening has the power to integrate so much What is the most important thing after all, is it to listen or to record?
0: Listen now seeks context by being connected to the space and knowing its history, its culture, its geography, how it's perceived, knowing the context so much that you're willing to have it change your understanding. Having this transformative approach allows the space to tell its own story, rather than us write the story. We're more or less a conduit to share its story as is. All we have to do is just listen. You can find Melissa Pons on all the socials as well as melissapons.com. And you can hear her work, all the field recordings you heard today and more at melissapons.bandcamp.com. She's also the curator for earth.fm, a resource to discover immersive natural landscapes contributed by a myriad of field recordists dotted all over the globe. Shameless plug, including myself. If you like listening, please take a few seconds to give your rating and write a review wherever you listen. It really does go a long way. You can also help this show continue with great stories like Melissa's by donating at ambisonicspaces.org. My name is David Woji. Thanks for listening. Hey, my name's David, the host of Ambisonic Spaces. And I just want to thank you for listening. And I want to tell you about a new feed of the show called Ambisonic Spaces Plus. If you're a sound designer, work in game audio, if you're a field recording enthusiast, or just want to support this podcast, check out subscribing to the Patreon page, Ambisonic Spaces Plus. There you'll be able to gain access to listen to episodes in spatial audio. All you need is some AirPods that support head tracking and the Patreon app or Safari. Just connect your AirPods to their device, turn on head tracking and listen through Patreon. The sounds dynamically change around you as you move your head. Super cool and a very immersive experience. you will also have access to download assets to use for your game audio projects in engines like Unreal and Unity, or use them for sound beds for any project that you have. And finally, as a Patreon, you can import the RSS feed into Apple Podcasts and listen through spatial audio there as well. Is it possibly the first ambisonic spatial audio dynamic head tracking podcast ever? Perhaps. But check out the free samples on Patreon to hear for yourself. Links in the description. Find out more at ambisonicspaces.org. Thanks for listening.